0: Well, as we are a startup, there's still a few things that are still not 100% defined. Um, I wear like three hats, you know, so does, you know, my other partners. We're all wearing three, four hats. Uh, But as we go, we're identifying, you know, okay, hey, we want to hire, you know, dedicated sales managers so we don't have one person clicking on the button all day. Me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, who, who can we have to at least help click on the button? So that we get more opportunities and then I can just go on to meetings rather than clicking the button, right?
1: Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, has a long entrepreneurial history himself, having started and run multiple businesses. Today, he is the founder and CEO of Admentis, where he uses the entrepreneurial operating system to bring clarity to business leaders and provide the foundation they need to successfully scale their business. We believe that some of the best sources of information and experience for growing a successful business are our entrepreneurial peers. Stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest on the show.
2: Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity here to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers, hearing their stories of both successes and challenges here as they grow and scale their business. So today's guest with me here, Jefferson Noon with uh, Code Warriors is actually one of his many different companies that he's working with, but they are a software development company here. And granted, I, I know I didn't do justice to that, Jefferson. So why don't, first off, welcome to the show. And why don't you start off and paint us a little bit of a better picture of, of who you are and what you got going on right now. Sure thing, I'm Jefferson Noon.
0: I'm a long time tech maven, if you will. Uh, my first computer was the Commodore 64. If you can believe that so it's a true story i had a 300 a baud modem i bought right after the movie war games and it was like woohoo i'm online uh then al gore goes and invents the internet right yeah so it's always the story somebody else takes the credit for everybody else's hard work <laughs> so uh but yeah i've always enjoyed technology i've also always enjoyed working with people trying to realize their visions uh one of my first clients way back when was von Popiel uh ronco corporation he did the showtime Registry oven the six star knives, the pocket fisherman you know glh for hairspray all kinds of amazing stuff you know uh but he's he really turned me on to the whole thing about how how do you do the pitch and he worked with me uh for days on end to do a lot of the online pitching to be similar to what he does with you know phone pitches so upsells cross sales all that stuff in the days of you know, 2001, 2002, that was all new stuff in those days. Yeah. So we built it all. Um, those were the early days of the internet, if you will. So long story short, I've done a lot of other things over the years, uh, mostly doing the same, you know, just putting in systems, uh, putting in processes and procedures uh, to help people realize their vision. One of my other clients would go wireless for a while. They're Verizon premium retailer. Um, Set up the system across all their 250 stores across the country uh, to help automate a lot of the sales processes and insurance companies, cell phone insurance company stuff. And, you know, they were, when I left, they were making, you know, $100 million a year, you know, easy just on all of that. So, meanwhile, I enjoy working with small to mid sized business owners. Uh, I'm a part of Founders Network now, Uh, working with small to mid sized business owners to. Uh, grow their companies. And I also do a lot of networking. I try to meet people and find out what's going on. It's like the guy over at scale computing said, you know, when they asked, you know, well, how, what's the secret? How do you, how did you do it? And he said, you know, you try to find out what your client wants and you make sure that, you know, hands down, you've done anything and everything that we could possibly have asked for and more to deliver on their vision. You do that, they're going to be sticking around for a long time. And so that's what we do. We make amazing software for amazing clients. I started this year realizing that myself and others, we got together. We're like, there's a lot of these people, man, that are coming around. They're saying, you know, we need good people, US-based to do this, that, the other thing. So we're like, yeah, sure, we can do it. You need Shopify done, we can do it. You know, you need uh, an e-commerce website, something basic, you know, we can do it. If you need custom software development, like, you know, one of my other clients with Intergy most recently, they had an old Visual Basic, if you can believe it, 6, from like 1999. <laughs> I remember writing MVV6 way back when. Uh, I scared, I'm scared to see if that code is still running, you know, really.
2: <laughs> it might be. could there be?
0: <laughs> but uh, years later, I'm like, yeah, this looks familiar. So we upgraded them to modern.net core. You know, everything's web-based. You know, they can access it on their own iPads if they wanted to. You know, very in Docker, uh, it runs in Docker now, sort of run forever type of thing. So we made it really modern um, in the space of three months. Everybody else came in, they quoted, nah, you can't get it done for less than a million dollars. You know, we got it done in three months, just one guy, me. I mean, come on. There's a lot of these folks out there that are quoting very high prices or the offshore folks, which is like, you know, yeah, sure, you give them the project and a year later, they're still working on it.
2: So here, three months later, we're done, what's next? Yep. That's, that's the, what we're about. So obviously, at least at the moment, we're in the, still in the middle of this COVID pandemic kind of a thing there, and we're seeing lots of businesses struggle, lots of businesses disappear. So what got you the idea to say, okay, let's go start a brand new business right in the middle of a recession and a, a downturn and everybody else shuddering and hunkering down kind of a thing?
0: Well, I remember back in 2008, it was kind of the same deal. Everybody was freaking out, myself included. And I did the wrong thing there. Actually, I freaked out when I should not have. Um, I should have actually continued to do, um, you know, software development and everything else during those times. Actually, 2009, that's where I landed the, the wireless client and uh, worked with them at the CTL to modernize their whole lot of infrastructure. They found people still need cell phones for some reason. Uh, to try to get jobs or whatever else. And that's the thing. No matter what, there's still hairdress- hairdressers. There's still restaurants. Um, there's now a massive pivot uh, to the online space. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. Not to mention, you know, you got Elon Musk throwing up rockets like there's no tomorrow. Uh, and he's like, let's go to Mars. You know, there's an asteroid out there worth 770 trillion or some ridiculous number. I don't know. Um, and NASA's going, let's go get that asteroid. There's always an opportunity. There's always something that can be done. And anybody that says different, they're not looking in the right places. I've, I've come across every once in a while a college student, man, I've been looking for work for six months. You've been looking in all the wrong places, if that's the case. You know, yeah. you have to, if, if you look and you don't find anything, you have to change your operating system. Look in a different place. You know, ask your friends, what are they doing? Look online and see where the opportunities are. Look for the companies that are re- reporting positive growth. Starbucks reported even though they had 1.2 billion of less dollars because people weren't going into their restaurants. Um, they still reported positive cash flow primarily because they had an innovative app that is the number one payment processor in the world right now. It's not Apple Pay, it's not Google Pay, it's Starbucks Pay. That's how ahead of the game they were. So That's where you got to look to and you go, okay, there's some opportunities. People need delivery. People need, but rather than being a delivery driver, come on, man, anybody can be a delivery driver. Why don't you set up some kind of a delivery network for what people need? There's opportunities there. You know, one of my other clients is Solve.Care, an amazing platform. I've been reporting on him. If you Google me, you can find my Forbes article. I picked up on him two years ago. You know, 2018, I was like, this is going to be huge. And they're starting to become really huge. I mean, before you go, nah, that's another one of those cryptocurrency scams. They don't do anything. They're actually in operation. They have like 10 different company uh, networks around the world with doctors and patients using their platform right now. It works. And you go, well, what's different between Solve.care and me going to Blue Cross and using my health care? Well, Blue Cross takes 15 cents out of every dollar that you ever give them, by the way. And on top of that, they keep jacking up the rates because that's how they make more money. And on top of that, they're in bed with the pharmaceutical companies to jack up said rates so they get more money. And care is like, no, we want to turn this whole thing around. Make it so that you have doctor, you have patient, and you can get the care that you need.
2: See? Yeah, that's it's, it's really once you see the innovation, that's it's, it's and that's always been the story of, of the smallest meat-sized business kind of a thing. It's like, okay, when there's no competition, when all the big guys are out there, they don't have the competition. They can they can do things how they want. They can mess with the, the money, et cetera, that way. Whereas the new technology especially comes in and really almost helps lay, level. Yeah, excuse me, level the playing field in a lot of ways that, okay, the little guys can come in there and say, hey, let's do this more streamlined, do it different. But it's keeping that, really that focus on innovation, like you're saying that, okay, once we... I, that's always been, I forget who, it was like a, a Navy Admiral really, but it was basically the, the quote of saying, okay, the doing things the, the way we always do is basically the the worst phrase, the worst language in the, the English language kind of a thing. And too many businesses even still I see that say, hey, this is the way we've always done things when it's like, okay, you got a major pandemic, a major change right now it may be a different change tomorrow it may be a market shift or something like that but it's like okay the the ability to innovate the ability to pivot has got to be there always and it's really like you said going back to 2008 the businesses that came out of that recession were the ones that were able to innovate the ones that were able to pivot and say okay this is something new that we're going to do here with the all the different companies that popped up out of that so that's that's good that you mentioned that because i think that's one of the really the keys that'll obviously bring us out at this point, bring us out, has brought us out in the past is, is the entrepreneurial kind of spirit being able to innovate and change and move forward. So tell me a little bit more about your role in the, in your current company kind of a thing, being more of the, the ownership, I'm guessing here, less the, the frontline coder. What's, what's, what's your kind of, how did you change into that role or how, what's, what, what do you see the differences in that role these days?
0: Well, like I said, a few of us got together and were like, let's do this. And since I knew how to do business, that is to run a business, you know, I've run one before it's off a software development company from 2003 to 2008, I was like, it's no problem to do it again. So I handle basically all the regulation side of things, you know. Meanwhile, my partners, you know, they all do coding or graphics or whatever it is that they do well. You know, that's what they do. I have a project manager as well, keeping track and making sure that we're staying on task. Uh, we do Agile, for example. He's the one that runs all that because I definitely can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, so and that's the key. Um, that's the other thing that the scale computing guy said. He said, you know, you always want to hire people that are smarter than you. Every one of the people I hire, they're definitely smarter than me. I'm the dumbest one of the lot, I'll tell you that. So, uh, But that's the thing. I mean, you want people uh, that are capable and strong and passionate about what they do. And find more like that, and that's who you'll end up being as well. You want to surround yourself with the people that you want to be as well. They'll keep you on track, and you can help keep them on
2: track. No, makes perfect sense. And especially if you look at, at specific areas, like you were saying, one one partner's in graphic design, one partner's in project management. You've got all the extra skill sets there that you don't necessarily have personally, and then you can build around that, build a much better organization rather than you trying to keep your hands in everything.
0: Right, right. And our clients come to us and appreciate us for, you know, what we can do and what we can deliver.
2: Yep. So if you were to put on your your rose colored glasses here, kind of look into the future and say, okay, what does the next five years hold for for Code Warriors here? What what do you see on the the future for for your business here?
0: Well, we will continue to innovate. We have uh, we're not doing just uh, de- development for other people, but we also do development for ourselves. And our downtime, as we have a clock cycle here, or there. We're working on some internal projects that we expect to be delivered by 2022. Um, So over the course of the next year, we'll continue to write, again, amazing software because we can do that. Um, But yeah, going into 2022, we'll have some platforms and systems that we think will be real game changers for the entire marketplace. And so we're really looking forward to delivering on that as well. And that's the key. You always have to be doing something, uh, not just for other people, because that's If you try to sell time, sure, you'll never run out of time, but you're always going to be selling time. You know, what you want to do is you want to build systems that run themselves. And that's really the future of this entire market space.
2: Yeah. So obviously looking at at new products and new stuff like that, what do you see from a a business perspective here, really going into the next year? Are you looking to to grow or you keep things stable or what, what are you doing from a, a business standpoint?
0: we probably will be continuing to experience exponential growth uh, because that's definitely one area that, you know, we've seen. It's just there's a demand, you know, for everything that we're doing, a huge demand uh, because people are realizing onshore is where it's at, not offshore. So all of those projects, they're coming
2: back to here. People are fed up with, you know, all the offshore madness. Yeah, I've been there before, so I get that one. So you mentioned before earlier, you had a, another software company going back into 2008 and then obviously decided to start this one here. So what's, what, when do you recognize kind of the struggles that from a leadership perspective, what, what struggles were you facing at that point that led to that one being closed versus the, the innovation, like you're talking about saying, okay, start this new venture. Now what's, what's, what's the difference? What would you learn between the two? Well,
0: it's an interesting story. So 2008, um, the economy crashed. I had a million of AR, a million of AR and nobody paying. Nobody. Ouch. I, cu- yeah. I couldn't get a dime. And on top of that, B of A goes, oh, hey, there's, you know, 75,000 in your bank account. We're going to go take it. So they took it. Uh, there's a thing called a right to offset. If you have a credit account and a debit account at the same bank, they can take all your money at any time for any reason. Not even so much at the phone call. Yes, I bought that one and I gave them the idea for the tea party. You can look it up. Um, honest to God, I talked to the office to the Bank of America president and gave him the idea for the Tea Party. And next thing you know, it's everywhere. And that led to Donald Trump. So, yep. Oops. Be careful what you say. Yeah. So long story short, um, I got a little burned out with running a company at that point because I had employees mad at me. I had, because I didn't pay them, but I couldn't pay them. So like, what do you mean you don't have money in the bank? B of A took it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, long story short, um, I go to work. I figured, I'm just going to be an employee. I just want to be a CTO and, you know, have a paycheck and be done with it. Two years later, uh, they hire in somebody over me uh, because Verizon said you had to do that. And he and I definitely did not get along. He wanted to do everything his way, which was, I thought, ludicrous. It actually led to the uh, shrinking of their company. But, hey, you know, I quit. I got really burned out of IT in uh, 2011, I was just done. I was like, that's it. I quit. I'm tired of tech, you know, midlife crisis, right? So So it
2: is, but at the same time, we see that a lot of times because you look at the the trajectory of a lot of small businesses and it's, you got the early struggles of, okay, can we get it off the ground? Can we actually Find a market and sell it. But then you've got that, especially five to seven years into it, where you start seeing a lot of that turnover happen again, where, like you said, it's it's people just getting burned out with it to say, okay, this is not it's not the business I thought I was building, even though it, it is what I, I built kind of a thing there. So I, yeah, I get the, the financial side and that obviously exacerbates the problems there when when you don't have any money, you can't pay people and they they do tend to get unhappy. But yeah, that's but still it's it's exacerbating those problems. So yeah, that's that's a lot of what we see regardless of a recession or whatnot is, is that, that secondary trend right there of saying, Hey, getting burned out, getting tired of it. Kind of a thing. I've been there myself before. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I spent a few years doing insurance sales, this consultative sales by another name um, and actually worked closely with farmers to innovate their systems. Um, so I could never get out of tech no matter where I was. <laughs> um, and then I've uh, come out here to Texas a couple of years ago and I'm like, I think it's time to get back into software. So I do it on my own, you know, some small contract here and there. And well, you know, COVID hits and we're on this upper trajectory. People come to me and go, you know, hey, do you know any people, anybody looking for work? And it's like, funny, you should mention that. You know, so here we are again, except this time, you're right with the hindsight that I have, we can do it a better way. And we are doing it a better way this time. You know, we have agile from the get go everything's tracked you know we have our p l done right from the beginning so
2: you know that's the way you want to do it that makes sense so that's specifically i would say for the ones that are not technology so you're looking at specific process management there you're looking at specific numbers things like that running the business on the numbers making sure you're tracking that stuff so it it definitely makes sense a lot of times it's it's something that new businesses don't necessarily see. It's like, Hey, I got money in the bank account. So we're more, we must be okay. And well, <laughs> you are for a little while until that money's not there. Or it's spoken for three different times. So yeah. I so, love it when you do that. Yeah. Now, yeah. well, that's, that's, even that's a lesson in there of saying, Hey, make sure they you can keep separate bank accounts, separate places. So, yeah. Um, so tell me, what, what, obviously kind of going off of what you were talking about, so lessons learned, any any specific ones or anything there that you'd pull out from that?
0: Well, uh, one is definitely hire uh, people smarter than yourselves. Um, and definitely the other is, um, you know, with the partners and whatnot, always be open. You know, if your partner is hiding secrets or vice versa, you know, that's definitely not a recipe for success. You know, I learned that lesson the hard way, you know, Back in 2008 as well um so yeah make sure that you know you come to an agreement on how things are ahead of times before you get into it and then yeah there's no challenge that
2: can't be overcome yeah well, that's interesting you mentioned that i was actually just talking with a a business lawyer earlier today and was talking about the effect of, of creating effectively a prenuptial agreement when any kind of partnership or things like that. And that's not one you normally see of. Typically, you're seeing the, the back end factor of, hey, we want to just jump into business. We want to go work. And it's like, okay, it's, it's different than a marriage. Business most likely is going to come to an end at some point, or somebody's going to have a change in life and they're going to go some other way. And having that kind of preparedness really can make things a lot easier for everybody and definitely a lot less costly. So it, it kind of goes back into that what you were saying earlier just making sure you got planning make sure you've got the financial kind of stuff all that stuff lined up the more you can pre-plan for that stuff then the the better there because honestly business will change if, if nothing else the, the environment around it changes so so when it comes to um making decisions in your company kind of a thing what what's what's your experience there from a a leadership perspective a a leader perspective there how do decisions get made are they typically a big collaborative environment what's what's your take on decision making there typically from a leadership perspective well it goes
0: back to roles and responsibility i mean uh do i meet with this client at 10 o'clock today i mean that's one thing uh sure anybody can make that decision but hey is it proper for say my bookkeeper to meet with a client directly that could be a different story right um, so that's where roles and responsibility comes in and making sure that it's clearly defined, um, and that, you know, again, there's proper oversight. Sometimes things have to happen organically, you know, uh, you have to go into a meeting, bring up a topic and decided at that, at that point, sometimes it may be a of the moment decision, you know, I mean, if there's an opportunity, definitely don't turn it away, Uh, Just because you were waiting for somebody to say yes, you know, don't wait for the yes. Always take a yes if there's something there, you know. Um, But to that end, I mean, as long as roles and responsibilities are defined and everybody's okay with that, then you're good. You know, it's where, again, if you're keeping secrets, ah, that's a different story. Yeah. And that's where problems start to come up. Uh, so you, that's where making sure you have, you know, the right processes that are, that are in place that everybody's held accountable uh, for what they were going to be doing. That's where, you know, agile can really help with that kind of a framework. And by the way, it doesn't mean, you know, meet every day, you know, for an hour and a half, you know, more bloody meetings. I mean, no, no, no. It can be a short, you know, five minute meeting. Hey, what are you working on today? at the stand up. Even restaurants, good restaurants have their stand ups, even though it's like, hey, what's the restaurant? What could be hard? You could be surprised things that go wrong with the restaurant by the way don't ever open a restaurant almost always doomed to fail (laughs) so um but that's the thing it's like there's plenty of opportunity that's out there and um and my role is to go and try to find those opportunities and bring them in that's my role uh i have others that are you know tasked with skinning the cow and you know parsing it out and You know cooking it and serving it to our clients you know but my job is to go find those opportunities and that's what i'm good at um and there we there we are as long as we work together as a team there's nothing that we can't overcome um and that's the thing is it's not so much one person anymore these days it's making sure that you have a team it's like this have you ever heard of a boy band that consisted of just one person yeah no yeah There, there yeah there are a few crazy guys out there but they're part few and part between. Most times a band is like six, seven, eight guys. And then you have that, wow, amazing performance. Yep. You got to break it down into those constituent components. And then,
2: yes, you can come up with something amazing. So when you're talking about roles and, and accountability, things like that, how, how structured are you in your organization? Is it is it very clearly defined seats or is it still fairly loose with people floating between roles? Or how, how do you how do you structure that? How do you structure roles and accountability in your in your company? Great question. Well, as we are a startup, there's still a few things that are still not 100% defined.
0: Um, I wear like three hats, you know, so does, you know, my other partners. We're all wearing three, for hats. Uh, but as we go, we're identifying, you know, okay, hey, we want to hire, you know, dedicated sales managers so we don't have one person clicking on the button all day me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, who, who can we have to at least help click on the button so that we get more opportunities and then I can just go onto meetings rather than clicking the button, right? So yeah, so we talk about it. We'll hire somebody to click the button and then that's that person's role. Now I just go into the meeting. Uh, I'm sure two, three months later, we'll, but that's the thing. When we hire, we've already defined what that person's going to do rather than yeah, you go and do whatever I tell you. Yeah, that never works. Yeah, it's okay, like here's your own yeah. So that's how we do it. So yes, there's plenty of things that I'm doing that should be hired out, but that's the role of a startup where we're at right now.
2: Definitely so, but at least you're you're identifying that separate hats, like you're saying, kind of a thing there, and then especially the key to me about defining the role before you go hire it, because I see too many times that it's just, hey, we need somebody over in sales and you bring them in and it's like, well, go sit with the sales team and and good luck kind of thing going forward. It's like, that's not a great use of resources for sure. They're kind of floundering and you're, you're never, you're not getting what you're, you're spending your money on for sure that way.
0: Well, there's, if you ever want to go down a rabbit hole, there's a great uh, subreddit called malicious compliance. That makes for some very interesting reading.
2: Okay. So Bringing this back around, what's uh, any specific tip or strategy kind of a thing that you wish you knew 2008, that journey, or just anywhere in your past kind of a thing that one of those of, hey, if I had just known this business today, it'd be a lot easier.
0: Well, uh, don't be afraid to go after opportunities. Uh, That's really what happened to me in 2008. I was like, literally just afraid to start up another company. And um, I should have, because there was actually, even then, there were some amazing opportunities that I think I've realized now i passed up. Um, so don't be afraid of opportunities. There's always something out there. And don't be afraid to talk to people. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's, you know, I come across somebody, and they're afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody. It's like, really? That's probably one of the easiest things to do. Well, I know. Everybody goes to voicemail now, right? But still, there's instant messenger. There's chat. There's you know, LinkedIn, there's all these different ways that you can connect with people. Um, And especially considering today's climate, everybody's interested in something new, something different, something exciting, because anybody can turn on the TV and, you know, turn on the fear of vision, you know, forget that they want something fresh, something exciting. So if you go and bring to them something exciting, something fresh, you got their attention. And there's I'll say it again. Plenty, plenty, plenty of opportunity. I mean, think about it. The SpaceX guy, Elon Musk. I mean, yeah, I know the guy's a little batty and God knows how many drugs he's probably on. But dude, how many other people go wake up one morning and go, man, I wish there was a tunnel under LA. And then he goes and does it. Yeah. I mean,
2: that just goes to show. If you're afraid to dream, it'll never happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I even put that back to, like you saying, being afraid of picking up the phone. It's like worst case, where are you going to get A No, that's, that's better than, I don't know, or that's better than a, a, an ongoing question kind of a thing. It's like, it, you're going to have to go through no's in order to get to a yes, but if you never do it, if you never even ask the question, you're sure not going to get the yes.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's like this, I mean, just early childhood story. And it's always stuck with me today, uh, at least in how to identify an opportunity, right? Uh, so I was, you know, the usual thing in charge of selling chocolates, right? And then I realized, um, there were neighborhood areas, right? Where, you know, certain areas had more kids than other areas. I realized that. And then I was like, well, if I go to this, if I ride my bike, you know, 15 minutes, I can go to this other neighborhood. There's not so many kids over there. It's much more of a retirement community. And I bet you I can make more sales. And sure enough, I did none of the other kids. Ever rode to that neighborhood. They were just selling chocolates in their own neighborhood where everybody else is already already selling chocolates. And I go right over here 15 minutes.
2: And I sold out 15 boxes of chocolates. <laughs> Number one salesman. Yep. And well, it's it's like you said, it's it's thinking outside the box, it's innovating, it's looking at, at new ways of doing things rather than doing it the same way everybody else always does it. So yeah.
0: So don't be afraid to try something new, anything new. It's like this. Well, I don't know coding. There's cryptocurrency. I know, I know. We just talked about it a few minutes ago. But hey, there's a programming language in cryptocurrency. Well, I can't figure out how to program. There's sales opportunities in cryptocurrency. You can make 10% of sales on, a lot, on the Solve.Care. So if you bring a doctor onto the Solve.Care network, you get 10% of their money for the next year. Nice. That, yep. that could be a lot of money just for bringing one guy onto the platform. Can you yeah. bring 100 You'll be
2: retired in a year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, unfortunately, we're not going to wrap it up here. Just getting short of time. But um, last little question here is simply where can, the, where can our listeners go learn more about you and, and get in contact with you if they've got questions? Well, my personal website's up at jeffersonnun.com.
0: I'm happy to talk to anybody, anytime, any reason. Uh, my professional website, warrior.software.
2: Uh, we're available for anything y'all need done. Okay. Yeah, we'll get both of those in show notes here. So you can click on the links below here once we're done. And other than that, I've enjoyed the conversation here today and really appreciate you taking a few minutes to spend time with us. Likewise. It's been awesome. All right. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on the social networks. To learn more about what we are doing and how it might benefit your business, check us out at adventus.com.